Welcome to Tangential Soup, a weekly podcast discussing life in Australia, technology, food, finance, and the like. Hosted by myself, David Caddy, Melbourneian, independent developer, and tea enthusiast, as well as my good childhood friend, Alexander Carr, Sydney cider, slave to the man, karate practitioner, and lover of adventure. This week, we talk about wine wankery, some high-profile opinions on our financial future, and a bus and train collision. So you've got some follow-up on Get Swift, Alex, the infamous company from Joel McDonald. Yes, I do. Uh, now, as as our listeners hopefully remember, because it was in our last podcast, um, I did touch on this last time. It was just a piece of news that I came across that I was interested in because I recognised the name Joel McDonald, who was an ex-AFL uh, player. And not a friend, not really, that you went to school with. No, not a friend that I went to school with. No, even though I thought that he might be. Um, I think he wasn't a star, though, was he? Really, he was. He was a player. He was a solid player. Like he was always in your best twenty-two. Um, but yeah, it was a solid contributor, but not a superstar. And it seems that he is a. Uh, he's not even a solid contributor when it comes to his his <laughs> Swift. So what what happened? Obviously, was that uh, as we discussed last week, the um, they they basically his company has been a bit misleading on where their money's coming from um, and the the contracts that they currently have with certain companies, um, which basically led to a, well, it started off as a huge speculative spike in their their share price, getting it to, um, I think David and I were looking at it uh, just just before we started the podcast and it got to about a dollar, sorry, $4.50 in uh, in December last year. Mm. And uh, now... After this, uh, this hoo-ha has come out, and, and shareholders have realised that they haven't um, haven't really been honest about what what they've been doing, where their money's coming from. Uh, their share price has now fallen to about fifty-five cents. And um, my experience with this kind of thing is companies don't really tend to, at least companies in the form that they are in when this kind of thing happens, they don't tend to survive. So they don't bounce back. They don't. Know. And what might happen is it, it get Swift will probably end up being picked up by a larger company. Um, and and turned around because obviously it's a good business model. Um, Is it? How do they really make their money? Like I know their deliveries, but doesn't that cost a lot to actually do? I would imagine most of their money is still coming in the form of investment currently. Uh, no. So they uh, one of the big things that's got them into trouble actually was they did a um, they did a revenue raising with uh, a uh, issuing new shares in uh, around about December. Which I think they issued it at about three dollars or so, something around that that figure. Um, so they they get they might get money from issuing new shares. Um, they might get money from additional investors coming into the company as well. But generally speaking, when you kind of get money like that, it's usually through issuing new shares to these new investors, mm-hmm. um, which doesn't actually. Um, I mean, it doesn't really do anything bad for the company necessarily. The only th- bad thing is that as a as an existing shareholder, your portion of holding in the company is diluted by you know, whatever percentage of new shares is issued. But do you know if their core business is actually profitable? Like the actual delivery is part of it? Well, I, I don't. Um, My guess would be that people are investing in it based on potential because it's a good potential thing, I think. 
and everyone wants everything delivered at a moment's notice, and especially when they were spruiking deals with McDonald's and Amazon and all these people, I could see why people would be getting on board. But I don't know. Like, there's so much overhead in delivery that it makes it hard to really run a profit. Yeah. Um. Oh, look, honestly, I couldn't tell you. Um, I haven't looked into the company that that closely, and I know that um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't touch it with a ten foot <laughs> stick now. This this kind of thing just tends to be super bad for companies, and it scares away investors. Um, and they're currently facing a three hundred million dollar lawsuit as well. Um, because because of the fact that that um, people bought their shares based on disclosure that they'd made to the market, which they're legally obliged to, you know, do certain fact checking on and and make sure that everything that they're kind of putting out there is is uh, correct, which in this case it wasn't. Um, mm. So, yeah, I think the company itself is probably probably it for it. I'd say, which is unfortunate for Joel, but you know he shouldn't have lied. That's what you get. Yeah, easy come, easy go, I suppose. Well, yeah. Because it's still a very young company, isn't it? Like, I know it was something else and it turned into this, but... It is. Yeah, like five years old-ish? Um, I think around about that uh, that time. Yeah. I mean, obviously, delivery is a growing industry, though, isn't it, if you think about it? Yes. Well, yes, yeah, so that's what I'm saying. The potential is massive, and I guess because mm. they have, well got a lot of deals in place even if they've maybe overhyped some of them that's it probably is valuable if maybe someone does like you say come in and buy them they might be able to turn it around i'm sure i'm sure they can turn it around like obviously the business well it seems to me the business model is good because it would have been quite a heavily analyzed company as well um it was one of the biggest growers on the on the asx among the small to mid cap stocks Mm. so those kind of stocks get a lot of attention from analysts and brokers and everything like that and they they look at the company's books and they look at their business model and everything like that. And obviously it was decided that it was quite a good business. But um, yeah, I guess it all just, just went downhill after that. Mm. It also kind of reminds me of something I've also discussed on this podcast as well about uh, Tesla's share price and how it's, it has to fall. Yeah, it went down, didn't it? Um, I don't know if it's gone down recently. After there was some, um, I think some parts there was like... Their their pipeline, their production line for a certain number of parts has been found to be uh, producing at a lower level, yeah. uh, like the quality rate. And so that's going to probably impact their production of the Model 3 again this quarter. So I think that's driven their share price down a little bit. Yeah, okay. Okay. I've got to say, they, I mean, that kind of thing, though, that's just... I guess a vagary of the market, and these you kind of get those announcements from time to time. Yeah, yeah, it's dropped about ten percent since since the end of March. Sorry, the end of February. Which is what you were saying might happen. I mean, it's not, it hasn't dropped off a cliff. They still seem pretty resilient. People are fairly bullish about them. Well, they are. Can I just say though? I think that if we do suffer any kind of market severe market downturn, which I think is quite likely at the moment. Tesla's is going to have to, or something dramatic is going to happen to Tesla because they have such high debt levels. And if their customer base drops off, and obviously their investor base is going to drop off because nobody's going to be wanting to buy shares in a company that's not making profit in a time when the market's going down. True. They'll be in a lot of trouble, which is why I'm sure there is going to be a huge push in the company to try and get cars being manufactured absolutely ASAP mm. before anything like that looks like happening. 
Yes. Yeah, they just need the Model 3 to start rolling off the production line smoothly and they'll probably be okay. Yeah, okay. Start un- unwinding some of that, that that debt. Which I would imagine at least by the end of the year they'll have that sorted. So if they can make it through to then, that might be all right. Okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I can see what you're saying. It's dropped, yeah. The share price actually just goes up, down, up, down, up, down. If you look at probably the last year of Tesla. Yeah. Not really going anywhere. I hear that they uh, they actually issued more shares recently as well. Yeah. Well, I suppose with Tesla, it's always like good news, bad news, good news, bad news, good news, bad news. Or like, yeah. you know, sort of the promise of much better news and then sort of some actual bad news. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Their um, Tesla Semi had the first actual like on-the-road delivery test the other day. Yeah, really? It's it's a Tesla Semi that's owned by Tesla and they were transporting batteries from one facility to another and they were using this on real roads and that was the first like actual load, you know, for a purpose that's been done on the commercial highways. So successful and uh, I guess they're going to be using them in the short term before they are available to anyone else, but it's probably no bad thing. So suppose when you do something like that, your car has to be checked by whatever government or safety or regulatory body or whatever looks after the um, the cars that are actually allowed to go on the road. So presumably it's already been through all those tests. Potentially. It's interesting because when you're developing a vehicle, um, I know this working at Bosch, that we have a Tesla that's been uh, stripped of most of what makes a Tesla other than the shell and a whole bunch of Bosch sensors and things have been put into it to make it somewhat autonomous, an autonomous driving vehicle. And it is allowed to go on roads under certain conditions and certain speeds and particular areas because Vic Roads have deemed that that's okay for testing sort of purposes. It doesn't mean that they can build another one and give it to someone and they can drive around in it. You know what I mean? So it could be the same for... Tesla's tiny fleet of semis, they could have special permission to use them on certain stretches of highway. Right, okay. Okay, so it hasn't necessarily been through Yeah, what it would require to actually just be out on the road as a normal car. Yes, I'm not 100% sure possibly, but I'd say more likely they haven't quite got to that point yet. Yeah, okay. Are you any closer to actually getting any actual shares as opposed to just hemorrhaging money on the ASX? share market game (laughs) don't you want to lose some real money get some stakes in there funny you say that david um because i absolutely um i I haven't i haven't found i've okay so i found one company that i'm kind of watching um I, i guess my problem at the moment is i don't i still don't properly understand what it is i'm supposed to be doing to analyze this company and what it is that makes a good company versus a bad company. I mean, I understand when you look at certain situations retrospectively, you might say, oh, well, this was obviously a good buy at this time and blah, 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 because of these factors. And I understand what those factors are, but I also don't understand how those factors fit into the current situation which we're in at the moment. And it is my belief that we're going to... Okay, I've got a shameful confession for you and our listeners as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
kind of around this particular point. So it's my it's my belief that the market will go down quite significantly in the next year or two, mm-hmm. which I think we're going to touch on a bit uh, in a moment. But that is that is my belief. And what I um, I'm just at the moment trying to find stocks that I like the look of, and then wait for what I suppose will be a market crash, and then. And then buy in at that point. Okay, but I, I also, I also have been looking at uh, managed investment funds as well, which are basically, for for people that don't know, and maybe for yourself as well, if you don't know, um, they they're just they're just funds that you can put your money into. Um, you can select a, from a, usually a fairly decently long list of investment options. There might be options around certain sectors in the markets. There might be certain financial markets like Asian markets or. U.S. markets or something like that, um, or they might just be uh, like a growth portfolio with you know pretty pretty high risk products that you just leave your money in for a, you know, a decade or so to ensure that it makes money, or it might be a couple of investment options that are fairly low risk. They're going to give you maybe two three percent return, or you know, maybe a bit more four five percent return, um, but they're not they're not really going to kind of rock the boat in any major way. So they. Manage investment funds kind of usually to have all of those options available to you and then you can just put money into them and just leave them and then the shares inside the funds are managed by professionals who obviously do all the research and have a far better understanding of what they're doing than I probably would at the very least. At least you would hope so. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> um, so that's kind of something I've been looking at recently um, as, as one method. I still want to invest in the share market directly, but I don't think that the majority of my funds should be going into the share market. I think the share market should be for me to... Try to maybe just understand that it's quite speculative and um, put the majority of my investing funds in, in the managed investment fund. So I think that that's my current strategy. As well, I'm doing uh, putting some extra money into my superannuation because I think that's a good idea too. And potentially strengthening your position in Ripple. Uh, definitely not going to do that. No, that was... Um, it's not that I regret that decision in any way, but... It's at 62 cents now. 62? Yeah. Really? Yeah. No, I checked. I checked like yesterday, and it was eighty something. Well, it's it's dropped about ten percent since then. That's crazy. No, it's eighty one cents at the moment. I don't know what you're looking at, but my thing tells me it's sixty two cents. Really? Which um, coinmarketcap.com? Ah, uh, coinmarketcap. Yeah, I'm on uh, BTC Markets, and they've got it at eighty one cents. Not that it matters. I mean, the price is the price, really. You can take it or leave it. Why is there such a large discrepancy between the two fights? Are you looking at, like, Australian dollars versus US dollars? Oh, sorry. I'm looking I'm looking at AUD. Because I was ah, about to say, there you, go. you could buy the coins on CoinMarketCap, <laughs> bring them over to, to BTC markets, and then sell them. Instant <laughs> profit. Yes, I figured there had to be something going on. <laughs> oh no! A big money-making scheme already ruined. So, did you buy it at a dollar fifty Australian or US then? A- AUD. Okay. Dollar fifty AUD. So All it's right. about half, half of what, it, what half of what it is now. All right. Well, let's move on to um, this wine wankery video. Wine wankery video. Yeah. So, I mean, really, the video itself is just people or this. Um, have you seen the show before it's called the checkout on abc um i don't think i have no 
This segment was mainly just for amusement factor, but they do actually have some good pieces on like Australian consumer law and like what what protections you have in place and what you can expect for different products and different sections of the market, I suppose, insurance and small goods and large goods and return policies and all this sort of thing. Mm. So it's not a bad show. But yeah, this one was just highlighting the amazing number of bizarre wine products. Yes. Products around wine to support, I guess, I suppose, maximizing the flavor of wine or your enjoyment of wine. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I mean, you're the expert here, so you can tell me how many of these are actually crackpot. Okay, so, well, as a starting point, I should say that you should be decanting wine. So, when they talk about decanters, they're a necessary product. But, obviously, the decanter that they mainly reference is the, uh, I don't remember the name of it, but it has a, it has a black tuxedo stripe, and it's got a kind of fancy, fluty-looking shape to it. Um... And obviously, that's that's fairly useless. The idea of decanting wine is really just... Was that that U-shaped thingy? Yes, the U-shaped thingy, yeah. Um, and the idea of decanting wine is just to get in contact with air because when um, when wine comes into contact with air, it, it, it reacts in a certain way and it changes the taste of it. Um, and you should do it, and it is something you will notice if you, um, if you decant your wine as opposed to just sculling it directly out of the bottle. <laughs> which I also wouldn't suggest. But you, you don't need a fancy product to do it, I think is the main point. You can actually just open open the bottle, pour a glass, and leave the glass for maybe 5-10 minutes or so, and that will have the same effect as having that fancy uh, decanter. So is it necessary? I mean, it's a necessary product, but yeah, you don't, you don't, need, to, uh, you don't need to be spending, what was the price tag, I think, Seven, $700 or so on, uh, on a bit of glassware? Yeah, $799. Uh, $799, yeah. <laughs> Wow, um, and there are, there are several several other um, products I think that they mentioned that do a similar thing. Like, do you remember the aerator? So it's basically something you put in the top of the wine bottle, and then you can press a button and it like yes pours a little stream of wine out. So that does exactly the same thing. It's all about getting the wine in contact with the air. Um, and as I've said, you can actually just open the bottle and just just pour it out. So that that it's it's a useless product essentially, um, and it looks ridiculous. The wine thermometer. See, that one I don't really understand. You, you should be drinking red at slightly below room temperature. But, I mean, you can work that out for yourself. You don't You don't really need a thermometer for that. What about the champagne sabre? Uh, the champagne... For 500 bucks. That seems like a bargain. <laughs> I don't know what to say about that. I mean, you can just use a knife. <laughs> Or better yet, you can use your hands. I mean, <laughs> you don't need a saber for that kind of thing. Um, <laughs> but surely it would but, reduce the potential of injury. Uh, you would hope so, yeah. I mean, so that kind of thing you could almost justify because, I mean, it's cool. It's not something, I mean, it's sort of cool. It's not something a lot of people have. And if that's your style, then of all the ridiculous products they had on there, that would be one of the two that I would not feel so bad about somebody getting. I mean, I wouldn't get them, but somebody else. Um, the other one is that wine bag. <laughs> I 
like the handbag. I know that they say that you could just use a goon sack, but it's not exactly true. Because you with a goon sack, you can't hold it as you would hold a um you know, a, a handbag, which is essentially what that product is. True. So, and it's not it's not a, a wanky product trying to be something fancy at least in my mind it's not i don't think anyone in their right mind would try to be fancy with a product like that <laughs> it's just a way to kind of sneak wine around so that would be uh that would why, be my other but why does one need to sneak choice. that much wine around to anywhere is the question i suppose i don't know if, you, if you're having a picnic and yeah, uh, it's one of those parks where you can't you can't bring alcohol in yeah, i mean obviously all they need to do is check in your bag but uh and the problem with the the alternative product that was that was offered um, instead of that uh, that wine bag, which is the wine boobs, the wine rack, <laughs> the wine rack, yeah, um, is that um, having the wine held close to your body would warm it up. So, and you know, you shouldn't be drinking wine warm, mainly just because it tastes gross. So, yeah, I think they actually made the right choice on that one, <laughs> or I think that would be that would be better choice than than, than the wine rack. Fair enough. Um, and my kind of story linking into this is, um, you obviously remember my Hunter Valley trip about a year ago now, I suppose. In which you brought back a significant uh, collection of... Of wines, yes. Select wines, yes. There were also a few um, <clears throat> decisions made in the Hunter Valley that uh, resulted <laughs> in subscriptions to certain um, oh, no. vineyards, <laughs> uh, which have been rolling in pretty steadily. <laughs> So, um, look, I can't, I can't honestly claim that I remember all of these decisions, uh, but yeah. You shouldn't be allowed to sign up for such things under the influence. <laughs> That's how they get all their customers, though. I don't think anybody has ever signed up for a wine club sober. Uh, are you able to get through as much as you have coming to your door? Uh, look, I've actually stopped drinking beer, basically, and now all I drink is wine because of this particular <laughs> <laughs> and I prefer beer to wine, I've got to say. <laughs> but you've been forced into it. Oh, there's so much wine here. There's actually boxes stacked against the wall, <laughs> just full of wine bottles that we can't fit in the fridge. <laughs> I think you might be overdoing it slightly. Oh, I, absolutely, I'm overdoing it slightly. But I have no choice. Like, yeah. Can't cancel these subscriptions? No, I mean once you're in them, you're in them. <laughs> Fortunately, Samantha's a bit of a, a bit of a wino, so I'd say I, I would actually say that she almost does the lion's share of the the wine drinking. Fair enough, um, but still with cases stacked <laughs> up to the yeah. ceiling. Well, that, well, they're not stacked to the ceiling. I mean, there are a few boxes against the wall. Well, for now, but if, if that's uh, if they're accumulating faster than you can get rid of them, it's only a matter of time, right? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, fortunately, I think that the subscriptions are kind of coming to an end because it was like a minimum one year subscription. So. Yeah. Although you better be careful. They might like auto renew you if you don't take some action. They will auto renew. You're right. Um, yeah, no, I've got to cancel those actually. But I think, I think the last lot's coming in now. So I think we'll go back to that. beer. Uh, well, once we get to <laughs> the one that we've got. So maybe maybe in, a, in another year or so. <laughs> it's not that I don't like the taste of wine, because I actually think that for taste, wine beats beer most of the time. But it's just that once I have a single glass of wine, then 
I just don't feel like another. Mm. But, you know, especially on a day like this, it's about, it's, it's going to be about 36 degrees here in Sydney or 35 degrees here in Sydney today. And uh, like, I don't want to sit down and drink a glass of red wine, which is what we have because neither of us drink white wine. So we've only got red wine and like red wine's quite heavy. It's just, it's, it's not really something that I would drink in the warm weather. No, you need something for a hard-earned thirst. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, beer's nice. And I, I kind of, I don't feel with beer necessarily that I'm drinking alcohol, especially if it's not very strong beer. But with wine, I always feel like I'm drinking alcohol. Like you can kind of taste the alcohol at the back, which is nicer on colder days than it is on warmer days. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at at the moment. I'm just living through our wine decisions. Not that I necessarily regret it in a huge way because it is very nice wine, but... Too much of a good thing. Too much of a good thing, exactly, yeah. yeah. It's nice to look at. I like I like having a really nice collection of wine to look at. But Couldn't you just have the bottles filled with, like, red food-coloured water? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I could do that, actually, yeah. Did you read this article around Bill Gates and his prediction for financial implosion? Well... Yeah, I mean, in the end, like he he kind of said, I believe in his in his AMA, which was his Reddit AMA that he did. Yeah, that he doesn't really understand the the market as much as his good friend Warren Buffett. Um, <laughs> but Buffett says there's a crash coming. I don't think anyone, nobody, I don't think anybody in the share market thinks that it's not going to crash. I think everybody knows it's going to. Everybody's just getting a they're betting against when it's going to crash. They're betting against how much it's going to crash and they're betting against what is going to be affected. So, I mean, obviously in the last crash, a couple of things were affected, but they mainly happened in the US, which brought down the rest of the world in a lot of ways. But it was the US housing market crashed and the US bond market crashed. And I guess the reason it was so severe was because these were both seen as extremely strong financial investments as they still are in Australia, like nothing's different about the situation in Australia at the moment, except hopefully the Australian debt levels are more secure um, than, than they were in the US, which even that I think is arguable. But yeah, like it's obviously those were two big things that happened and then they kind of brought everything else down with them. But as for this time, it could be a completely different cause. Like it'll probably have something to do with the banks and it'll probably have something to do with debt again as well. Undoubtedly, yeah, it might it might just be that interest rates go too high. People can't afford to pay their mortgages and start to default, and then everything just goes to crap. And that that could just be an Australian thing, mm. but it could also happen in the US as well because I don't think that sensible precautions have been really been taken against raising interest rates, which is what is going to be happening. And the economy is going really strongly, which is why the um, the US are looking to raise their interest rates and why the rest of the world is trying to raise their interest rates. But I don't think Australia's interest rates are going to go up, so maybe we'll be protected against that just because everyone's so highly leveraged in the property market. Oh, you're right. Everyone seems to be predicting it. It's just a matter of getting the timing, I suppose. Mm. You reckon in, within the next two years? Well, look, can I be honest with you? I've got all of my money is in cash. So all of my superannuation I put in cash. Okay, because you reckon it's going to go down. Like, I don't think it's really debated whether it's going to go down because generally speaking, when interest rates go up, the share market goes down because things just become more expensive. Businesses can't make as much profit. 
um, and like margins, margins just just thin because because debt becomes more expensive. Businesses can't afford to borrow as much, or they don't want to borrow as much, and then growth slows. And then what what we've got right now is just a kind of a financial situation where everyone's really happy because there's a lot of money and it's really cheap to get debt. Companies can leverage themselves really highly. Then they can make more money out of that that debt that they've borrowed, which I think is something that I've kind of mentioned earlier. Mm. But it's it's all false because eventually these kind of things have to unravel, and where you get the upward trend from it, you get the other downward trend side where all these big businesses then have to unwind their debt books. So all their money is just going to paying off debt. It's not going to building their businesses. So there's no growth in those areas. So yeah, why don't you put your money into uh, bullion? Gold. Look, I actually thought about it, to be honest with you. This is like the one true currency, right? Well, it is, yeah. Um, and I th- did, I, did I mention at any point that I remember looking at gold prices and from 2008 to 2012 or 13 or something, they doubled. And that's gold, doubled in four years. That's ridiculous. It is kind of ridiculous. But I suppose it's a precious metal. Its demand only increases, never decreases. And I don't know the mining situation, but it it is a precious metal. It is still hard to get hold of, relatively speaking. Well, yeah. So I guess it makes sense. I'm going to take a look. So gold price peaked in about 2012. US, it was getting about 1800 And it's sitting now at about 1313. So it's come down a bit. It has come down a bit, but I actually, you know, I've been thinking about putting my money into gold, but see, the thing is I want to keep, I want to keep my money, um, like readily available, which I suppose it would be in gold because all you have to do is then just cash it out. But I don't actually know. Do you, do you just go down to the local gold seller and buy a block of gold? How do you do it? (laughs) I don't know. I, I, I imagine there's ways of owning gold without actually owning it, but then that's probably not really what you want. Mm. And then so if you bought gold, you'd then want to make sure you had it stored fairly securely. Mm. So then you'd probably need like a safety deposit box or something, mm. and then you might be paying more fees on that than is really worth it. I don't know. bit to consider. It, dep- it probably depends on how much you're actually buying of it, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. But my problem with gold is, I guess the same problem that I have with cryptocurrencies is it's just it's intrinsically worthless. But it's not. Gold is intrinsically very valuable, not only for jewelry and making things look nice, but it's like in a huge amount of electronics and other components that will be necessary for decades to come and which demand is only increasing for. Okay, that's a good point. Yeah. Because, I mean, I was just thinking of it more in terms of the fact that like gold is looked at as a precious metal, right? But it's not something that's in short supply in any way. Well, it's not in majorly short supply, but it's not in like massive abundance either, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, I know it's like a regulated um, thing. The thing is that like most things that require gold only require a teeny tiny amount of gold. Mm-hmm. But there is a a hell of a lot of those things that require that small amount of gold. And there's, you know, big operations that are dedicated to try to recycle that gold out of old electronics and things. Um, So, you know, if it's cost-effective enough to 
have that sort of operation in place, then clearly there's going to be there's plenty of demand for it, and there will continue to be. I mean, gold has never gone out of fashion, mm. and we just keep finding new uses for it because it does have some very interesting properties. Mm. It would almost be better for society if people didn't um, like the look of it, I suppose, and it just had the interesting properties, but everything's competing to try and get that tiny bit of gold. But yeah, it is valuable. It's not like cryptocurrency because cryptocurrency overnight can literally be worth nothing, whereas that's not going to happen to gold. Unless maybe somehow, somewhere, there is a massive deposit that someone finds. But even if they did that, I dare say they wouldn't go and put all that gold on the market at once because that would just be ridiculous. They would just trickle it out and pretend that they'd only found a little bit. Yeah. Do you know what interests me? I've got a chart of gold prices. Mm-hmm. And when you when you look at the chart of gold against the USD, which is probably like the benchmark currency that the price of gold would be set against, mm-hmm. you can see like a big a big spike around 2013, 12, 13. Actually, no, just 12. Uh, and then it's kind of come down. Then it's, it's, it's basically remained steady at a, at, a, at a lower price. But if you look at gold against the price of AUD... For the same period, you kind of you get that spike around 2012, but then the price of gold actually then just goes back up and above the price that it had before, as opposed to dropping quite significantly down below. So it kind of peaked at about I guess 2012, like our dollar was at parity with the exactly, US, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just got to do with the dollar movement. Yeah, that's yeah, fascinating. But then again, it kind of shows you that if you'd been buying gold with AUD, yeah, so if you bought gold with AUD in 2012, you would have actually, you know, basically been sitting at even right now. Mm. But if you bought gold with USD in 2012, you would have lost money. Yes. Because obviously gold is measured against the USD, not the AUD, Mm. which is fascinating. What do you think the impact of uh, West Farmers spinning off coals is? going to be um well i mean these things don't just die out and coals is a massive kind of part of the retail landscape 800 supermarket stores several dozen more liquor stores and you said they even had hotels and things they've got 90 hotels mostly in queensland which i actually had no idea about but there you go yeah look i've got to say um I think I think it's interesting, and I think it just shows you the direction that the uh, I guess the retail landscape's going. And of course, with Amazon coming in, everyone's scared and trying to you know get get rid of those sides of the business or try and move towards more more online online kind of businesses. Um, Although they've had very little impact in the uh, couple of months they've been operating thus far. Yes, the selection is actually rather disappointing, I must say. Do you um, the the Amazon? Yeah, well. Amazon AU. It takes time to build that kind of business. Yeah, yeah, it does. It does. But they didn't come in and make that immediate impact like many of them were fearing. Yeah. I think, um, I don't know, like I, I can't really see it making much difference in the short term. In the long term, like these things change. Um, you've kind of seen what's happened to Myers, right? Maya was, Maya's been a big part of the Australian retail landscape for ages. Mm. But it's, it's failing. Like Myers will be out of business soon. I, think, I don't think anyone denies that. Um, and like, 
their big storefronts that are currently sitting in Melbourne, Sydney, and probably all the rest of the um, state capitals, they're going to go and then they're going to be replaced by something else. But as to what they're replaced by? It'll be interesting to see what moves in. It might just be carved up for more small retailers. Well, I know, isn't it the case in uh, Melbourne that it's part of a, um, part of a, like a a larger uh, store area? Yes, it is surrounded sort of by a larger shopping centre, Melbourne Central Emporium. But yes, it wouldn't take much for them to just move out of there and have all that line with small shopping space. Mm. I don't know what it's like in Sydney. Is it just a standalone big building, is it? Uh, no, it's part of a Westfield. Okay, so same deal. Yeah. Um, yeah. Look, I think I think honestly, if they can't make the move online, and I know that we've kind of had this discussion before about how you know there's there's a certain need to be inspecting or going to a supermarket to kind of see a food, but honestly, if they can't come up with good tech that you can have in your home that you can use to be ordering your food from their stores, then they're not going to make it, and that's just the end of it. I don't know if they need the tech. You can use the existing technology. They just need apps and websites that work properly, have a good user interface, and then they can actually deliver on what you're actually buying for a reasonable price. But yeah, like I don't, I don't understand why that hasn't already started to happen. Because I mean, I'm sitting at home. I don't want to go out in the sun, but I do also want some stuff from the supermarket. It has started. Like you can do it, can't you? But I mean, I suppose what you want to do is you want to have what I guess Amazon Prime has sort of done in the States where you can order something and two hours later it will show up at your door. Yeah. You don't want to have to order it like a week in advance or however many days it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, which should be possible, especially in the metropolitan areas. Well, that's that's exactly it. Thanks again for joining me, Alex. Not a problem, David. Pleasure as always. You can follow and get in touch with us on Twitter at Tangential Soup, and you can find this week's show notes for more information about today's topics at tsp.fm slash 35. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider sharing it with anyone you think might also, and we'll talk to you again next week. Bye. Ciao. Billy Alex, saw yes. this on the news. Look, honestly, it's it's basically a bit of non-news. I don't even know why it made it into the. I guess it made it into the national news because I saw it. But all it is, it's it's a train that runs through, um, well, Castlemaine where we grew up, and it's an old kind of steam train engine uh, with some older style carriages that go behind it, and it's just a touristy thing that people come come and do. I, I don't think I've ever been on Puffing Billy. Have you? No, I don't think I have. <laughs> you never do the things that are in your own backyard. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, and I mean, honestly, like I don't think I'd want to. I mean, you can kind of drive around those areas. You don't have to. Don't have to be on a steam train out in the sun. But yeah, it just hit a tourist bus. The only interesting point for me was that I saw it on the news, and like I basically just I don't watch the news to any real extent. The only time that I might watch it, oh, so, sorry, the, the only time I might look at it is if I see something related to something that interests me. Um, and it, you know what it actually was? When I go to search Google on my phone, uh, I get like little trending things. Do you know what I'm kind of talking about? Like there's a little arrow next to them and then they're just little news stories. So yep. there's like five yep. or six things that pop up. 
and Puffing Billy happened to be one of them. And because I knew Puffing Billy, I um, clicked on it to see what it was all about. But yeah, it was it was a non-news story because no one even got killed. What kind of a news story is that? <laughs> well, one guy was taken to a hospital and there was a few more treated at the scene. I mean, it was good that it wasn't worse. But yeah, a little mini bus sort of collided with it coming through uh, an intersection. Yes, yeah. The driver which claimed that the brakes failed. Mm-hmm. But potentially what's more interesting, there used to be a tradition of sticking your legs out the side of the carriages as it was going along. And now that's been stopped because of this incident, I think. Yeah, well, not stopped for good, I think, just maybe temporarily. And then for some reason, there's been an outcry about it. Massive outcry. A petition online, of course, with so many things. Can you hear my eyes rolling through this? Through this ah. <laughs> well, I don't know. People don't like change. And 9,000 people signed this thing, so at least 9,000 people don't like the idea of it. <laughs> they want it to be the same that it always has been. Damn safety. <laughs> yeah, I don't really understand that. 